Support for this episode comes from Yakima Chief Hops. Yakima Chief Hops is a 100% farmer-owned hop supplier with a mission to connect the family farms of the Pacific Northwest with brewers across the globe. With a growing competitive market, YCH understands the need to continuously brew exceptional quality beers. This is why YCH is focused on developing innovative hop products and research-based resources that provide real solutions in the brew house and help brewers take their beers to the next level. Yakima Chief Hops works with breweries of all sizes across the globe, from home and nano brewers to craft and macro. To find out more about YCH, visit www.yakimachief.com. There's a saying coined by French writer Jean-Baptiste Alphonse Carr that translates loosely to the more things change, the more they remain the same. I think that output could apply to many facets of life, not least the geographical surroundings in which we all live. London, like many other places around the world, has gone through rapid change in recent years. And gentrification, a term that might send a shiver down our collective spines, has been one of the key drivers of this change. For those unfamiliar with Peckham, it's a district of South London housed within the London Borough of Southwark. Like many other parts of the capital, it's gone through its fair share of change. That much is true. But importantly, one thing it hasn't lost is its heart and soul, which is also somewhat fittingly the name of a beer from today's podcast guests. A brewery that has seen firsthand the ebb and flow of Peckham life over the best part of a decade, all through the lens of its hugely popular taproom under the arches of Peckham Rye Station. Hello and welcome to the Brewer's Journal podcast. My name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Brewer's Journal. And I'm Vela Mitrovic. Brick Brewery was founded by Ian and Sally Stewart back in 2012. A brewery, like the London landscape that surrounds it, has changed and evolved over the last nine years. And for the ever-increasing fan base of this excellent outfit, the progression has meant an increasing wealth of superb beers from pails and IPAs to lagers, stouts, and a flourishing array of sours. But first, let's take it back to the beginning. Starting in a shed. Uh, that's our big big line, really. It's a shed at the bottom of our garden right here. Um, yeah, I, just, I was a home brewer for quite a while, just tinkering with different recipes. And, you know, I started out with the, the, uh, the, the syrups and the extract and uh, pretty, pretty quickly progressed on to uh, the old grain brewing. But it all started really from Sally. My wife, who actually for Christmas bought me a add water to a, a pack and you get beer within for three or four weeks. And it, it came around to June and uh, after Christmas in June, she said, are you ever going to do that gift that's just sitting there? I was like, yes, you know, yeah, I'll go do it now. So I went down to the uh, shed and that was it. History was written. Yeah, get, getting progressively bigger and bigger pots. I was working full time at the time. I've been working there for about 20, the same company for about 22 years. And um, big, big American company. And they were talking about redundancies in the US. Everything happened in the US first and then trickled over to Europe. And lo and behold, I was made redundant after we, I did actually start the brewery prior to that for about six months. I was moonlighting down the brewery brewing at midnight when the trains are going over the railway tracks. Uh, and uh, yeah, so eventually made redundant in the April of uh, 2012 or 2013. 
and uh, decided to reinvest some of that money back into the business uh, and uh, took it from there, really. Haven't looked back since. And for fans of the brewery's beer, they truly have Sally to thank. It's one of those things where you say, oh, go on, are you going to do it? And then you realise very quickly with Ian that if he has a little project, it tends to get bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the garden was overtaken by all these massive pots of um, vessels. Yeah to brew with and I think our kitchen floor had things yeah. fermenting cupboards. and thankfully it was just the two of us at that point but um yeah wouldn't be able to do it now would you with no. three small children yeah and we moved we moved into our railway arch uh where we the tap room is today put some uh, a thousand litre kit in there that was our first go with a couple of fermenters and uh yeah it was, as I said I was brewing during the during the night and then taking cat naps at work so needless to say my my productivity at my full-time job wasn't great. <laughs> in those early days, Ian started out on a five-barrel kit producing beers such as Challenger and a popular Sir Thomas Gardner, a brew that would see sales double overnight when it was renamed Peckham Pale. The provenance was a hit. People bought into the name and stayed for the excellent beer. Nine years on, that connection with the community has helped Brick to expand into a new facility in Deptford using the former site exclusively as a taproom. Success Ian doesn't take for granted. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, for in eight, nearly eight years now, how, how much we have grown um, with, a, with a really solid team. You know, we've got 20, 23 employees now, you know, so we're, we're a sizable company. Didn't envisage that at all. And so in some respects, it was quite nice only having two or three people working, you know, because managing people, it, you know, has its ups and downs. Uh, but yeah, never, never really visit it. But we always, we've always said to ourselves that we'd grow this very slowly and organically, like re reinvesting our own money from the business back into the business, not looking at massive investors or, you know, not, you know we, so we, we didn't have a huge pot of seed money to start the business. So it was, re it was really slow, slow build and slow burn. Um, so, you know, we've, and I'm re very, very, very proud of where we've got today. For Sally. Part of this growth can be attributed to the team spirit imbued at the brewery. I think it's important for us. I think, you know, we're a family run business and I think the way in which we run everything, right? We're quite down to earth. Family way of life is, you know, is felt in the way that we do everything really. So everyone gets involved in things. And I think that's a really important part of who we are at Brick. And I think making sure that all of the team is a part of every single thing that we do hopefully makes them feel that, you know, that they are part of the team and that they are part of the reason we are where we are. And that sense of value is also evidence in the way the team promoted from within following the departure of former head brewer Pete Vick. Yeah, we allowed uh, Tom Dixon to step up. He was our lead brewer at the time. And yeah, he stepped up and he's our lead brewer, uh, head brewer today. And he's done a phenomenal job. He really has. Uh, the beer's uh, better than they've ever been. We've just been accredited for a salsa. Um, so, and um, Tom was very instrumental in gathering all that paperwork and ticking all those boxes required for that. Under Tom's stewardship, he's helped guide and evolve the brewery's range of beers, building upon the approach Brick started out with from day one. Yeah, it, it pretty much is. You know, we, we call it like our family table that, you know, welcome to our table, our Brick table, that we have a beer for everyone on every occasion, basically. So right beer, right time is sort of what we say. So, yes. It's not always been the case. We always focus very much at the beginning on our core range. Quality, you know, it was, and consistency has been like fundamental in everything that we've done. And we obviously have, have taken that mantra out into other 
more um, innovative ranges, I suppose, to make sure that our offerings is balanced, but it's also varied. So I think the sours came from just doing one, yeah. um, which is our rhubarb um, sour, wasn't it? Yeah. And basically it went from there, went from strength to strength there. We realised that we could do them really well and do some really great adjuncts and exciting things. And I think the the new sort of like hop forward series has evolved from a discussion internally with the team and saying that we we wanted to put our foot in that arena to show what we could do in that in that sense as well so I think it hasn't always been the, the case from that has it we would we would always going to go and do all these different beers but I think it's, it's evolved you have to evolve and innovate you know and evolve and, and move, move with the trends a little bit as well obviously and producing an increasing array of hop forward pails IPAs and double IPAs has been a task Tom has been more than up to yeah, I mean, Tom Dixon, our head brewer, is, is, is very, he's quite a confident chap in, in so far as he will, he knows how to formulate a recipe and he will work with his team to formulate that recipe. And we don't, we don't have a pilot kit or a trial kit. We actually just go for it. Um, but there's, you know, he does tweak things along the way and he, he you know, we have, we learn, we, we learn from every time we make a beer. We learn what we, what worked well and what didn't work well. You know, sab, sab, for instance, Sabra hops, it's a bit Marmite, you know, it's a very strong hop. Uh, and so, you know, we've got we've got contract, we've got some left in the brewery, so we're, we're trying to think how to use those, but not make them the, the showcase hop in the beer. Um, so yeah, it's all it's all a learning process, and we do actually also um, have tasting sessions every other week where we get in uh, competitors' beers and, and other, other breweries' beers, and uh, we all sit around the table and make notes, and we've got a very very uh, standard template that we all have to work through. Um, so we're, we're trying to standardise things as well. While Tom has the role of head brewer, recipe creation at Brick is very much a diplomatic exercise. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a whiteboard in the in the office that uh, it's a beer beer board, beer ideas board. You can imagine that we've done so many different sours now with so many different flavors and fruits and adjuncts. There were actually a lot, a lot. You know, I'm running out of ideas, so it's quite nice to ask you know Janine, who's our sales support person, like what what would you want to see? What would you want to taste in a beer? And that there's no there's no wrong answers. Everything goes on the board, and we sit down and discuss them, and then we try and find a beer that has that somebody's already made, maybe with you know uh, berries or, or lingonberries or, or you know some green gauge, so we can actually take that and taste what that, see what that tastes like, and then sort of marry the two beers and see what works well together. And with the welcome reopening of the brewery's Peckham Tap Room, the team is looking forward to first-hand consumer feedback on new beers. Oh, absolutely. It's some research. I mean, I, I, I log into our EPOS system on my phone all the time. And I did notice that last week, uh, our Pills and Pale always number one, number two. But actually Session, our Session IPA that we have, that's a 4.2%, really smashable, was doing really, really well during the day, like daytime hours. Because people, are, you know, they wanted to sort of obviously session something. And then in the evening, it turns into maybe a different crowd that wants a bit more of a lager and a Pills or a Pale. But actually, we did notice our West Coast IPA was number four. So it's quite, quite interesting that, you know, we, a lot of people are doing these hot forward and these, these hot bombs and the murky, murky cloudy stuff. But actually, I think there's a slight movement now to more of the West Coast, clear, bright, sort of more bitter styles. The tap room has been at the core of Brick since day one. Not only as a way to serve brewery fresh beer, but to connect with the local community they're proud to be part of too. Well, I guess it's we're very multicultural here, and I think that's the beauty is that people are bringing in a lot of different experiences and different 
well, cultures basically. So I think it's always been a creative area. It's always been very popular with artists and things like that. And whilst some people have had to move out because obviously rents and things have gone up, I think other people have managed to find their way here and they can actually make something work. You know, it, it could be anything like, you know, like, like a bar, but it could be a restaurant, but there's also really small businesses who are doing their own clothing. Um, they're doing media, you know, like filming, um, things like that. So I think it's, it's always been a creative hub and I think that has actually stayed, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And during the last nine years, the type of drinker that Taproom attracts has changed too. Yeah, absolutely changed in the first, when first opened the doors, it was your traditional camera drinker coming in and wanting a, a hand, your hand draft pint. Uh, and now it's all, all walks of life, all different people, families with babies and dogs and all sorts of stuff. So, um, but the actual drink, the, the style of drinking, a lot of people actually walk past our place and don't even know it's Brit, you're owned by Brit, because we don't have any really obvious signing. A lot of people are actually just looking for bar story sometimes. <laughs> this is like three arches down and uh, they pop in and go, oh, it's not bar story. Okay, we'll stay anyway. You know, this is this is obviously before the pandemic. But yeah, it's, it's really nice to, you know, I love to go there as a fly on the wall and just sit in, sit in the corner like the old, old geezer, you know, nursing his half pint. Sit and just watch people and watch how people interact and how they flow within the place and like what they actually order as well. It's really, really interesting. You know, as I said earlier, that our pills and pale is always going to be our uh, top sellers because they're they're the most accessible, really, for people. That you know, a lot of people come in. Can I, have you got a lager? Yeah, sure. Yeah, but um, and then given the pills, our, our gluten-free hellers. But then you, you'll see the, the the taste change as well. So there's almost like a progression of, of people. Like uh, there's almost a gateway beer that you know that our pale ale maybe is our gateway beer, and then people then to go, oh my god, you've got 22 taps on. What's on all the others? Like this, and the order a half of this and a half of that. And for Sally. The inclusivity and openness the taproom promotes is key. Yeah, and I think, it, you know, I th- we've realised that the people that do come down, some people come down on their own, but, you know, that they find our place is very accessible, it's very inclusive, they can come and sit and enjoy, read a book, do whatever they want to do. And, I, and you know, we touched base with those people during the lockdown because we thought it was really important. We miss seeing them, we miss chatting to them, and I think, that's it really warms our heart to know that those people are back now and we we get to see their faces and we get to have that little yeah. conversation with them and we've also got really loyal staff down at the tap room so we've had people that have been working there for three and a half four years which is you know again is, is a nice thing because they're building up a relationship with our customers as well while happy drinkers enjoy the brewery's beers direct from the peckham ride tap room bricks beers make their way to the wider world too and one of the ways they package these is in can each adorned by branding from co-founder Sally. Yes, I, I do it. <laughs> so basically, yeah, I mean, I, I, I put everything into, I segmented the range basically and came up with the direction of how everything looks. And I think, yeah, I have a handle on that. Not, the, not, the, not down to the types of beers that we do. I mean, that's, that is a group effort, but generally how everything looks is, yeah, down to me. And as we all know, strong branding is imperative when standing out on that pub, bottle shop, or supermarket shelf. Yeah, and I think it's such a crowded marketplace and a crowded shelf. If you go into a bottle shop, you need to make sure that you are standing out. That doesn't mean that you need to be garish or whatever. You, you could be clean and clear like we are with our core range. Just make sure that you you are standing out amongst the crowd, really. 
And I think consistency is key. I mean, you, you might question that from our perspective because our core range is, is that clear cut thing. And then we go to our sour, which is very art deco, repeat pattern inspired. And it doesn't even have our branding on the front. But there was there was a method in our madness at the beginning of doing that. And it was because what we talked about before about um, people not necessarily knowing who we were, we wanted to be someone that they didn't overlook and actually thought, oh, what is that? I'm going to, uh, what is that? I'm going to have, that's a, that's a brilliant design. I'm going to pick it up and then I'm going to try it. And it worked. So, you know, we might not look as consistent on the shelf from that perspective, but it, it worked from that point of view in sort of like getting people's attention. Well, consistency and branding is key. So is its evolution too. I think we've be established ourselves well now with that branding that people will now pick it up knowing that it is brick, but there's always ways in which you can you can change things and, and evolve. make evolve. And I think, you know, that's something that we, we always look at continuously. We're not just stuck stuck in our ways and that that's that. So, you know, we we will look at that and we will evolve it as well. But it's it's really great that people know that that's sort of pattern or whatever that's a sour that's from brick we know that's going to be good let's go for it and going for it is what ian and sally plan to do but they also believe they might have to work harder to achieve success also i think it's a bit of both i mean we've 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 got a strong growth plan in place which obviously was supposed to happen last year which obviously didn't so um we're obviously going to go back down that route now and it's about we've invested in our team and we're going to continue investing in our team and there's demand there I think you know there's the appetite there for us now I think we've been a bit of a an, an uh, I guess a, an underrated brewery people don't tend to shout about us but the people that do know our beers actually know that they are really really good and they can rely on us that every beer that we produce is going to be of a good quality and I think that is a really important factor in building the brand um, and obviously building building the trust in us as a brand. So I think from that perspective, it's that's what's driven some of the growth, but obviously we're, we're pushing, we're pushing hard, you know, and we're, we're doing things, I guess our route to market at the beginning was quite traditional in the fact that we go in bars and restaurants, uh, and, sorry, like bars and, and pubs. And now, you know, we diversified a little bit and we've gone into things like butchers, delis, um, the local village store, if they're good, uh, cinemas, private members clubs, museums. And I think that's made us more accessible to the market and to a wider consumer. And that's obviously driven our growth as well. And are they happy to be considered an underrated brewery? No. No. <laughs> no. It's, it's, it's disappointing. You know, we're not, we're not a hyped brewery. We're not, you know, we're not like that, but it would be nice that people sometimes recognise us a little bit more for all of the things that we do and the hard work that goes in behind doing all of that and the planning. Mm-hmm. One thing's for sure, though, none of that will stop them creating fine, fine beer following what was a challenging 2020. Well, we're, we're excited this year to be um, going to some festivals, some beer festivals, so LCBF and ECBF, and we're going to Bigfoot Festival. Um, and what else have we got going on? But yeah, we're excited to go to these festivals to start things to start open up and start to get out here and meet other people in different parts of the country. We have been doing quite a significant work, amount of work with our accountants to see where we are uh, in position where we wanted to be. And we've kind of realised we're about 22 to 24 months behind where we wanted to be at this time, obviously because of all the, the last year. 
Um, so this year is our building year again. We're going to hopefully end this year where we ended 2019 and then use that as our springboard to go into next year. Uh, we've already made some investments, uh, I think mentioned. So we've got some new tanks coming in that will increase our capacity to 750 hectolitres within the brew house. So, and then we are looking to invest. Well, actually, we're, we're always got our eye. We talk about the tap room. We've always got our eye out for another tap room somewhere. Uh, I think that seems to be a model that quite few breweries are replicating. Uh, well, like we said, we're, look, we're looking at building our team. Obviously, again, we are looking at our IT infrastructure, all that kind of like, we say it's basic stuff, but it's something that during the pandemic, Ian and I basically did everything again. It was like it was like starting from scratch. and it, But it actually gave us a really good view, overview of how we run the business and all the different elements and the processes that we had in place. And I think it's made us look at where there were pinch points where it was slightly more difficult what can we do to improve that and i think that's something we're, we're definitely going to invest in so that we can make sure that we can do things a bit smoother um and obviously uh, a big part of our plans obviously looking at sustainability as well you know it's a, it's a really important thing for us to look at and that's something that was definitely on our on our um, to-do list uh, last year and we've done bits and pieces but it's definitely a focus that we've got for this year. Brick Brewery, like many of its peers, has done well to navigate and overcome the challenges the last 12 months have presented but now they're only looking ahead. I think it was tiring, the, all of the adaptability that we had to do, you know, like one minute you're going this way, you know, we didn't have an online store for example, we frantically did that. We were, thankfully we had a bit of hindsight and started it a few weeks before we had lockdown but you know, going from that to then something else, and then there was another restriction, and then there was, right, okay, what are we gonna do now? How are we gonna do this? And we just got exhausted. But I think we have definitely come back now, and the weather does help, like with a new, renewed vigor. And um, our plans are now being put back in place and our, our, our goalposts for this year. And I think that's the really exciting. The Brewer's Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media. Produced and hosted by me, Tim Sheehan. And me, Vela Mitrovich. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision is by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. Special thanks to Ian and Sally Stewart at Brick Brewery.